0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Check out the Hog Talk Podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever
1: you listen to podcasts. The Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinman Services. Heinman Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year,
0: but you could still be in on the action at betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Back just A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show SUI winner and a former <laughs> heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spade. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks.
0: Three, two, one, yo, what is going on Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere, welcome to the Hog Talk podcast, it's the Friday show, hope you guys have had a great week so far, if you would, either right now or when you're done watching the podcast, or listening, watching, my gosh, I think I'm talking to YouTube or something, to my YouTube audience, if you would, Rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. As always, shout-out to uh, HitThatLine.com, uh, Tommy Craft, and Ty Richardson. Shout-out to those guys. As we are, as you well know or are aware of, we're a part of the HitThatLine.com lineup. Their podcast lineup, that's pretty cool. I guess they I guess they gave us the commercial or something today. I don't know. I guess, Porter was talking about how he heard our, our spot on ESPN, Kyle, alongside me today, I, I wasn't aware of that. So we have our
1: own little, like our own little shout out. I heard it the other day. I believe it was during, between the halftime show and Greeny coming on. Greeny has a segment from national ESPN radio from, I believe it's one to three. And right before he came on, I heard him mention all of the podcasts on that line. So it's basically us primetime preps with Brad Caldwell and, and Bill Harshaw that does the high school sports and then of course all of the shows that are on ESPN Arkansas plus our podcast it's pretty cool to hear that on there I haven't heard it yet and I think that is pretty neat who would have thought who would have thought man I mean
0: um HTP it's just growing and shout out to Brad Caldwell and those guys too it's good stuff if you're interested in uh, on Arkansas uh, high school sports they cover they do a good job over there Um, yeah they do a great job so we'll just start off really quick we we're going to we're gonna try and um, we're gonna try and make this not. It's gonna be your typical 20, 25 minute long segment, and then we'll lead into the second segment. Kyle, who are you talking to this week? Who's your interview?
1: So I'm gonna be talking with Preston Guy of TigerBait.com, a guy that I've I've uh, connected with him on Twitter before, and, and we've been talking a little bit here and there of what he's hearing, what I'm hearing, as far as the game goes. Now it doesn't matter when we're recording this. Obviously, we're doing it on a Thursday night, but. Uh, Really, nothing is uh, permanent until we kick off at 11 a.m. on Saturday. So, um, (laughs) We've just kind of been sharing information back and forth and uh, look forward to to talking with him about some of his perspective on a team that hasn't played football in three weeks and so what that's Mm. been like and really the state of their team. Of course, they've got some off-the-field distractions with a lot of guys that really – were not on the team uh, when some of these allegations that we saw come out over the week and so even though they weren't a part of it it's still serious serious accusations and so it's it's that cloud over their team so there's a lot of things outside of what lsu has had to fight through on the field that they're having to deal with well
0: and yeah like you said we don't we're not even sure what's going to happen on saturday if there's even going to be a game but Uh, That ought to be pretty interesting. There's a what do you know controversy at LSU. I mean, I hate to say it, but it seems like there's always something that a little bit more serious than what was happening with Will Wade in the basketball program. Oh, money stacks Will Wade, aka so controversy once again down there. Stick around, everybody, if you want to listen to that. That is next up. So we'll start off really quick. We do have we actually have some recruiting news. This it seems like it seems like it's been forever since we've actually gotten a chance to update on recruiting. Uh twenty twenty two four star safety Isaac Thompson visiting Fayetteville this weekend. He's gonna make his decision on December fourth. This is a guy, I mean he's he's you know, highly rated four star safety, big time. Uh was kind of surprised that Arkansas was all over this kid. He is expected to sign with Michigan. Uh, but, you know, with Harbaugh, the, the, the rumors of him possibly getting fired, all those rumors running amok across social media. We know their fans aren't super stoked about what's going on up there. There's at least a glimmer of hope He's he's, uh, if, he's if he's willing to give Arkansas his attention. So something to keep an eye on that will be, uh, again, he makes his decision, his official decision December 4th. If I had to guess, I would probably assume he sticks with Michigan. I'm, I'm a little surprised he hasn't pushed it back considering Harbaugh could be fired any day now. I mean, it is that hot up there. I'm a little surprised he's not pushing that back to, you know, I don't know, past December. But um, you have that. Arkansas commit. Rocket Sanders gains a big bump in recruiting rankings and is now a top-ranked 160 player in the nation, according to 247. So, yeah, he got that fourth star. Good for him. He is expected. And this is what Arkansas – Most places seem to believe, recruiting analysts and whoever you talk to or whatever sites you read, believe he's going to end up playing wide out at Arkansas. He has a good-sized frame. He's 6'2", 210 pounds and he could could play at almost any position on either side of the ball. I mean, people have talked about him playing safety, possibly outside linebacker, maybe even running back. I've watched some of his film. Kyle, I'm sure you have as well. He is dangerous after he has the ball in his hands. What I do understand is he's got some room to work on on, uh, getting separation and running cleaner, smoother routes. But after all, he's got – listen, he's got another year to get all that corrected. He is a 2022 prospect after all. Um, But he is – he is expected to sign in december he's expected to be a uh, possible early enrollee uh, with the university of arkansas so you've got that going on with him that's a big time i mean that's a big time get there rocket sanders is i think everyone nobody who's paid attention to recruiting is shocked that he he got a bump maybe that large of a bump kind of surprising especially being committed to arkansas because it seems like these sites like to pander to the bigger bigger uh blue chip schools and the bigger programs like that was a little surprising to some fans but if you've been paying attention to his recruiting he's um he's pretty special and so good for him razorback basketball kyle isaiah joe 49th to Philly Mason Jones undrafted goes to Houston signed, I guess in the middle of the night with Houston or, or, uh, well, maybe you can clear that all up. What exactly happened with Mason Jones and what'd you think about Isaiah Joe going to
1: Philly at the, at the 49 spot? Well, I'll start with Joe. I actually got to give it to Tyler Butler, our guy with sports and culture. Um, that Porter is also associated with, I I guess you could kind of say our, uh, our sister company, we do a lot of stuff with them, but, um, Tyler's been saying for a long time that the Philly, he didn't say that they were going to take him, but he had said really since even past this summer that they really like – the 76ers really like Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe. I was talking to him pretty much during the entire draft, especially once we got into – uh, the second round and he had basically said that it seemed like Philadelphia had made a promise to Joe that if he is going to be available at, with at least one of their picks, because they had like three or four picks in the second round, that they were going to take him. And once he got into we were getting close to the 50s, I wasn't sure if he was going to get selected. Uh, I was, I felt more confident about him getting selected than Mason Jones, but mm-hmm. right there with that 49th pick that comes in and, um, you know, they followed through on their word. And even with Doc Rivers coming in, they knew that they needed a shooter and they got a few of them. They actually got a, a, about three to, uh, that they were trying to replace, uh, JJ Reddick with. And so they were, uh, really hard to, to find that shooter and they found a couple of them. And as I think they got a great one in Isaiah Joe and, Look forward to seeing what he could do. And with Mason Jones, I really wasn't shocked. I think that he should have been drafted. But from the reports that I had read, or really the, the reports that I had read said he was going to be anywhere from about 35th. To, that was the highest I saw to undrafted. But the people that I had talked to that have, that have something to do with the NBA didn't really feel too highly that he was going to get picked. And I had actually went to bed as soon as the draft was over, so I had just missed the signing. I woke up at 5 a.m., seeing the reports but yeah it was about twelve thirty that houston signed the two-way contract with him so basically what that means is is if he's at the if he's on the rockets roster he can make i'm just throwing numbers out here he can make two hundred thousand dollars whereas if he's in the g league with the vipers they're the rockets team um in the g league there he'll probably make you know 40 to fifty thousand. now again i'm just totally taking shots in the dark just making an example unlike the one i had it backwards on facebook um i had reverse the two but the one-way contract you make the set amount from what i was explained a little confusing there i've gotten a couple of different opinions but um, all in all he can make a certain amount of money obviously more in the nba but the g league uh, not quite as much but the fact that both of these guys still get a chance uh, that's really big i mean it really doesn't matter where you get picked coach muss was actually on the morning rush on thursday morning was talking with ty and tommy and he was mentioning some guys that he had at nevada that it was actually twin brothers. It was Cody and somebody, Martin, and they both got some time uh, in the in the league last year. I know one of them, maybe both of them, played for the Hornets, but one of them was undrafted. One of them was a late pick, and so it really just doesn't matter where you go. It's it's what you do with it, and I think that they have one of the best pieces, one of the best mentors in Coach Must to help them get to where they need to be.
0: Yeah, that was that was big. I like the way they handled it on social media, too. Everyone cheering him on and uh, that was good stuff. Yeah, special shout-out to Tyler Butler, who's been calling that for a while on, on Twitter. So, special shout-out to him. Um, as far as – I did see this a couple of times, people just referring to Isaiah Joe, saying that he, he you know, he should have come back. He should have come back. Well, guys, we don't even know if we're going to have a basketball season. I mean, regardless of what you think of COVID-19, you have to consider the way the NCAA or all the all the, you know, Anyone who's how they've reacted to uh, to COVID nineteen, and so when he made his decision to commit or to uh, excuse me, not commit, but to come back, you know, it was it, it was a little bit, it was a different scenario, and then we had football, all this stuff going on with football getting canceled. I think at that time, right after he said he was going to come back to Arkansas, I think the Big Ten came out and said, "Nope, sorry, we're going to cancel the season." Yeah. And so. Of course, it freaked him out. Like, wait a minute. You know, I, I don't – yeah, more film would be great. We also have to consider he got injured last year. God only knows what could happen if he could uh, re-aggravate that injury. I, I get why he, why he went. I do think – and this is where I kind of, you know – Outside the circumstances of COVID 19, I do think it had he come back, and this is why he was going to, this is why he was going to come back. It's because he felt like he could probably add some great footage, some great film, and, and, and maybe get a bump in his, in his, uh, draft report, in his, in his draft expected, you know, where he was expected to get drafted. So I, I don't blame him for going, but yeah, he probably could have if if they have a regular full season this year, then I'm sure we'll get more Captain Hindsight's like, Ah see, he should have come back. We had a full year. I can already hear that on our social media and seeing that on Twitter. But you gotta understand why he made that decision and when he made it. Uh, after he, he announced that he was coming back, all this stuff happening, the Big Ten. I think the pack followed that they weren't going to have their season for football, and that had an impact on his decision for you know whether he's going to come back for basketball or not. So I get that. I do think it would have helped him. But um, 49th, hey, man, he's, he's there. I think he's going to have a great opportunity. Same with Mason Jones. I don't know that Mason Jones could have done much more to his draft stock. I, I really don't. No. The, the guy was – the guy was excellent last year. I mean, he he just was. He was a baller under under Musselman. Um, so we wish them both the best. We truly do.
1: Uh, well, Todd, I wanted to make a point real quick because I saw a lot. You know, I, especially whenever Joe made the decision to go back into the draft. You know what, what? this situation really made me think of. And I understand it's two different sports, but the sim, the situations really remind me is, is Cam Curl going out when he announced that he was going to be leaving for the draft. He goes late round everybody's like oh you were seventh rounder you should have came back well you know what cam's been doing he's been making the most of his opportunity for you know the redskins are not a great team but he's done a really good job using the reps that he was given landon collins goes down now he's starting at safety and he's up for pro bowl nominations. so and you think about what jason peters did in 2003 2004 left as a tight end entered the draft went undrafted now he's a hall of fame tackle that i think is still trying to play it, it's it's not again i go back to and we've talked about this before it's not about being a first or a second rounder i do i'm not saying that it doesn't benefit some people to return to school but right. when we sit some people want to sit and point fingers saying oh you should have come back well you don't know the situation maybe he was getting maybe the teams like the the 76ers were telling you telling him look we're gonna pick you at some point maybe he was hearing that from other teams we just don't ever know the situation and so i just you know it's it's real easy to do that when you're not a first or second round pick Uh, i guess a first round pick only since there's only two rounds in the nba but that's just something to ponder that i thought about as we were watching the nba draft
0: well and you know i mean you touched on it
1: fan fan is
0: short for fanatic i've you know i've We've all seen the worst of it, and and being on our side of the table where we're where we're commenter, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, you know we're not. I don't really cons- couch coach. There you go. We're professional. Yeah, we're we're uh, couch coach, we're couch coaches, and but when we when you have the social media, like when you get as much of it as we do. I mean, my phone every day. I I don't even read every single comment because it's just crazy. Like you can't scroll down and read. It's not, it's not that way all the time, but it's like when we have a post that does really well. And we've had several, uh, thanks to you and Keith, and then that little trick you guys pulled with Porter last week
1: was hilarious, by the way, the predictions. We haven't had a chance to talk since then. That was pretty outstanding. Yeah, that was, that was total accident, by the way. Real quick, for those that don't know what we're talking about, I was watching the Masters on Saturday, not really paying attention, and normally on Thursday or Friday, I post our score predictions. Keith makes a graphic of it, and I completely forgot, so I'm like – in bet- I'm, I'm halfway paying attention to the Masters, halfway paying attention to the Post. Well, we had joked about it in our group chat that Porter was going to pick the Hogs like 63 to 8. So Keith made two different <laughs> graphics, one serious, one joking. Well, I accidentally copied both of them to my photo album. I posted the one of Porter saying 63 to 8. And then all of a sudden, t- Ty, you talking about our phones going crazy. My phone just starts z- 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 yeah. constantly buzzing. And it's people that are messing with Porter. And I'm like oh my god and at first you know i'm like oh my gosh i got to delete this i got to edit it no and i'm like I, you know what no i'm just gonna roll with it no i'm gonna roll with this yeah and it was great
0: <laughs> it was great it was so good uh i loved it and i saw that and i was like well that's gonna do well and it just bang, bang boom people uh people going going crazy on porter i think porter said he had a, a fall or a growth of like i think he said like 50 gro- 50 people on twitter and that's I don't know. The, I can't remember the last time I had a burst like that on Twitter. I really don't. Maybe since Jacob and it's I, been a
1: minute.
0: when Jacob and I formed the Hog Talk uh, back in 2019, I think I had a good little 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 bump there. It, you know, usually it was me posting stupid, just whack videos that get a little bit of a following on Twitter. That blew up. But the point I was making though is that we get bombarded with stuff, and then you see. The negative stuff does sometimes slip through every once in a while, and, and we saw a lot of that. When Isaiah Joe decided to go pro, I mean, we saw we saw several, and it's usually the same people. That's what's funny, is it's always like the same two or three people. A couple of them have tapered off, with, you know, because one of us either claps back at them or whatever. You know, I don't know that we've ever, I hope, I hope we haven't
1: had to, I don't think we've ever had to ban anybody from our Facebook, but... Um, uh I had to ban one oh. person when I like a month after I joined. Yeah, they uh said a little bit of a um an inappropriate comment towards one of our wim, uh women athletes and I
0: had to hit the oh. ban button. But it takes
1: it takes a lot it takes a lot for me to ban somebody. Yeah. Like, I mean I, I'm all for go ahead.
0: I was gonna say sunshine is the best disinfectant, you know.
1: Well, what was it that that guy said uh, oh it was during am week I can't remember who it was but this guy it was the it was the greatest smack talk because it was clean it was funny and it was obvious even if you're an Am fan like you can probably get a little chuckle out of it he had said something about how oh we're gonna end the streak you guys are you you all have all guy cheerleaders or something like that <laughs> and talked about how um, I, I can't remember exactly all it was but it was it was very good wholesome it got like a hundred likes. On the comment but that's that's good wholesome smack talk you know it's like okay we can laugh about it but yeah we we've had to ban a couple people but um considering the following that we've been blessed to have um Mm. it's it's very low it it happens very 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 it is
0: it's pretty rare uh, unless something like that happens where kids like you know what i'm gonna go pro or if we get a decommitment there was a there was a post like Not long after we had, you know, after Jacob and I had started the Hog Talk, we had—I think we had a decommitment or someone transferred something. I can't remember. Maybe it was TQ Jackson. Maybe I don't—I can't remember the situation, but I remember it got pretty, it got kind of ridiculous. And like I said, it's always like the same two or three people. And what's funny is they get that top fan badge and you're like, oh, no, oh, God, no. These people represent, like, that's our top fan. Someone making a comment like that. So I think I did go in, and I actually did remove at least one top fan badge. Take that. They learned their lesson after that. Not really. Um, Yeah, be cool to people on social media, though, or players anyways. I I don't understand throwing shade at at a kid for making the decision that they make. I don't get that, um, at least at this age. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm creeping up on 40. I'm 37. I see other guys my age, you know, people that, or at least they look at it my age in their profile, and they throw shade at these kids making these life-changing decisions. I just don't get it. You know, have, have I been perfect on social media? Absolutely not. I've not deleted anything. I don't think I've ever deleted a single thing unless it was just something I messed up
1: on. By the way,
0: Twitter, get a freaking edit button, for the love of God.
1: How yeah, many- you get a story. You get a story or a fleet or whatever it's called, and you can't have an edit button. Stupid, right? So stupid.
0: Um, all right, Arkansas LSU. So... <laughs> If, again, like Kyle said, we're recording this on the 19th, Thursday night. It's six almost 6.40. Um, we're going to try and – I mean, we'll go into a little bit here. I don't know if we have a game. God only knows. We're going to find out. Sam Pittman told the media today, we're thin. We're, we're thin. And that just – that does not bode well for Friday, Kyle. I I guess that's kind of where I want to start. What – I mean, what areas can they actually afford – because there are there are rules, right? There are regulations here where if you're if you only have like one quarterback, you can't play. If you're down to one, I think it's like one running back, you can't play. If you're down to single digits on certain positions, you can't play. Do you think they play? I mean, how? What, what are you feeling like? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think they're going to play simply if, if they have the roster to fill the game. Then they are going to play simply for revenue. Re- like if 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 they are cleared. As a team to field, what is it, fifty-three? Then, well, they're they, not going to miss out on this. They race. have to, um, though. And I'm, I mean, the if rule. If they well, if, if they if they can fill the team, I'm saying, yeah. If yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, no, no, no. They're not gonna. They're not gonna do anything that's going to put play. I'm. I, and I am in no way saying that they're gonna. Like, even if like there, there's something that they can maybe squeeze by that's against the rules, but they're going to do anything like that. I'm by no means hinting at that. What I'm getting at is if they have enough to fill the team, like, for instance, against Alabama, it was alleged, and I'll ask Preston that story too about how they had a punter taking reps at quarterback, even if it came down to that for Arkansas, if they have players to fill the team, I think that it will be played just simply because of the fact that they're not going to lose out on that revenue if they can play. So that's what I'm getting at there. Um, I I just am not 100% confident. This is by far the least confident that I've been against Ole Miss. Some of the things that Lane Kiffin was saying. Now, I understand that you have to take everything he says with a grain of salt. You never know when he, when it's rat poison or just kind of, uh, trying to, to throw a shade over us to trick us onto something that's maybe not there. Like with the, the whole COVID cases that they had, I think it was a little bit overblown with the amount that they had at that time we played them. But I was a little bit nervous then I'm really nervous now, and again, I don't care you know like I said we're recording this on a Thursday night even if I wake up Saturday morning and the game is still on I'm not gonna believe, I'm not gonna wholeheartedly believe that it will be played mm. until we kick off at eleven a.m yeah
0: i'm I'm in the same boat thank God it's an early game because we don't have to wait the entire Saturday to figure out whether or not we're gonna which I think. By Saturday, you should know anyways, I am I think, because Friday is when yeah. they're, they're going to get the test. But you just never know how this thing works, right? And especially when you're dealing with LSU, who has already opted out twice. Well, I mean, you know, they had to. Alabama, and who was the other one? It wasn't Florida. Uh,
1: no. uh, yeah, it was. Florida got rescheduled. Okay. Yeah, Florida got rescheduled. Well, and something to think about, too, Ty, real quick is – it can't – yeah, like you said, the the Friday night is when – or Friday morning, you know, when this gets released, when this episode gets released is when we know the results. But think about when when everything got shut down in March, Mike Anderson took his St. John's team into the locker room at halftime of a conference tournament basketball game, and they were like, hey, don't come out. The game's canceled. Oh, no. And it was done from there. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's scary to think about. Again, I, I, we've stressed so many times, it's all about the safety. It's all about the safety, and it truly is. But also, too, it's just we're – we think about these things like, are we going to be able to get to the finish line? We're three-quarters of the way through the season. and yeah. Will we be able to get to that point?
0: And, of course, it happens in a year where Arkansas football just had its biggest turnaround. Maybe, I mean, I, I would dare say since Houston Nuts' first year. You know, first year, I and mean, this is just what – I can't remember. My God, I was in seventh grade back when he got when he was hired on. They weren't supposed to win – as many games as they did, and it was you know Danny Ford left all this you know the argument was that Danny Ford left all this talent behind, and uh, I I don't know that I fully buy into that argument or not. But uh, Clint Stern was a great quarterback. I mean they had they had great you know they had they did have good pieces on that team, but that turnaround was was really good, and it gave everybody hope. And then the next year they were pretty good, not as good of a year as year one, but the the future was so bright, and it's like this year. It's it's so odd to me when I hear people say, "Well, this year has an asterisk next to it," and you see you see this on SEC Network when they post something positive about Arkansas, you'll have some stupid, you know, comment from you know a, a Gator fan or a Tennessee or it's usually an A and M fan, sorry, or an LSU fan. Um, but they'll say this year's an asterisk, anyways, because it doesn't count. Like your this whole year is just whatever, and you know you're, you've been given kind of the. Uh, an advantage here no you haven't Arkansas has not been given an advantage are you kidding they're they've switched an entire system an entire staff you've got a transfer playing as your starter a guy that you weren't so sure was even going to be 100 percent to play all year you worried about the durability you talk about injuries you talk about the you know the amount of freshmen that have already played on on both ends of the ball first year guys and what have you um no, Arkansas is at a huge disadvantage. You combine that with the unorthodox offseason that you had. No time. You didn't have spring camp. Arkansas is at a huge disadvantage, just like Mizzou, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Just like those other schools. And yet they're outperforming all of them. They are, They are. and I, I would dare say they are better than those schools, and they're better than Tennessee, who's got, you and I thought Pruitt would have a really great year this year, and that <laughs> Tennessee Yuck. has flopped. Like a pancake on the floor, like it's it's disturbing to see just how how bad they really are. But um, and same can be said of Auburn and, and a couple. Well, I guess we're not completely shocked about Auburn, but Sam Pittman, the, what he has done this year is incredible. And this happens, like COVID nineteen happens. Imagine if we had a regular like the schedule that we had. How many wins would they have? Right. That's 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 something that we have yet to really talk about here, and, and we'll talk about that on probably when the year is over with, but. I look at this game and it's like, I want it to happen so bad. I also like the idea of playing football, playing SEC football games in in December. That sounds fun to me. What a way to end the year. But I want this game to happen. I feel very confident that Arkansas will will beat LSU, um, even with how thin they are, and even considering that LSU's been on like this – Really long hiatus. What, What? 29th or the 31st was the last time they played? That's the last time they've yeah, been on the field. Halloween. So they've had a lot of time to, to get healthy. Um, we'll just start off. We won't go super long into this, but I'm going to ask you, Kyle, who feels, and if you're going to beat LSU, their defense is terrible. Their secondary, their pass defense is second worst. Not in the SEC West. Not in the SEC. It's the second worst Pass defense in Power Five football. Who, if anybody, needs to step up uh, in Devon in Devion Warren's place? You've got you've got a, you've well, got a couple options there.
1: Yeah, the the obvious one is Trey Knox. We've been talking about. I've said hundreds and hundreds of times that I'm really done talking about him, and <laughs> I've mentioned it really the first half of the season, and nothing's really happened. And you know, he's tweeted things, uh, just talking about how he needed to step up and there is no better opportunity than doing it right now it goes without saying it's the overstatement of the week no better opportunity than right now and then I know you mentioned Darren Turner earlier I I really it's it's tough for me to imagine that that he would be someone that's ready to get into that point yet just because he has been a little bit slow in his progression kind of like how Hudson Henry was in his true freshman season Mm -hmm. and so Really, the the automatic one for me. You know, will it be maybe a Tyson Morse? We've seen a few flashes here and there from Tyson Morse. He's got pretty good hands. He's not really like, like a breakaway guy or anything. <laughs> but if this is if if there was any better time uh, for Trey Knox to step up, I, I don't think it, it's almost unrealistic. Like this could not be drawn up any better.
0: Yeah i I agree. And you know Tyson Morris, who has—I I, correct me if I'm wrong—I think Tyson Morris actually has more catches than Knox does this year, um, or in, in about the same amount of number, anyways. Um, he, I think he even scored once this year, did he not? I, I really need to have my yes. I, I think my, he does have one.
1: Yes,
0: I should have my stats pulled up. I don't know why I don't. Um, I, I so I I feel like it will. I'm with you on that. And I mentioned Darren Turner because. Uh, Sam Pittman mentioned Darren Turner today, I guess. And and he's been mentioned before as someone who's kind of looked – he's had his moments. He is a true freshman. It's – you know, and when you've got – look at this receiving core this year that's stepped up, and you've got all these guys stepping up and playing as well as they have. It's going to be hard for a true freshman to break through. Um, you know, it's – it's you know, with Burks and, and uh, with Woods and Devion Warren, and now, like we mentioned, him being out, with Devion Warren being out, um, you have an opportunity here, and it's got to be it's someone. It'd be nice to see them step up here. I, I really don't think it's a game where oh my god they got to have everybody all hands on deck in terms of 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 their of the receivers. I do think defensively you're going to need all hands on deck. I know LSU's not playing uh, Brennan. Brennan's out for the rest of the year. They're going to go with a backup. Defense is a little different. I think mean, defense, it's all hands on deck on offense. I'm not as concerned because you should have, unless we find out otherwise, you should have both uh, Woods and, and Burks in the passing game. Those are two Those are two great options to have. I can't remember a time when – I can't remember the last time I looked at a receiving court at Arkansas and go, well, no, they're they're in really good shape even though they lost one of their key contributors. I, w- I would say since maybe Petrino. Wow, they lost Greg Childs. Okay, well, you've got all these other <laughs> names that can step up and play – so I feel pretty confident there. But when you flip over to defense, um, listen, Florida, these guys on offense, they average about 460 yards a game. And I get it. Brennan isn't the guy. He's, Brennan's a big part of that. 338 yards a game through the air. They only average about 120 on the ground. I think their rushing offense is near the back of the SEC. So their run game, you wonder if it plays a role or not. But again, defensively, these guys give up four hundred eighty yards a game. Arkansas, who gives up four hundred thirty, they give up three hundred and thirty-five passing yards a game. I don't know. I don't know that we've ever been that bad in the secondary, and we've had some horrible years in the secondary. Arkansas gives mm-hmm. up two forty-five. You're talking about almost a hundred-yard difference per game. Uh, obviously, Arkansas's run defense is a little bit. You know, you're giving up about one hundred eighty-four yards a game to their one hundred forty-three. But offensively, LSU. They have found a way to at least – look, they're two and three. They've had their games postponed this year. We really – we know they're bad on defense. Their offense, I guess we're going to try and get this thing figured out on Saturday. But um, who is their quarterback they're going to? It's going to be uh, Finley, right? Is that going to be the guy, TJ Finley? Right. Yeah, Ryan Finley.
1: Uh, yeah, is, is it TJ Finley? I think – I believe it's uh... – yeah, TJ, I was thinking Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley was a quarterback years ago that I think played in the NFL somewhere. But yeah, TJ Finley is, he struggled uh, a little bit. And Max Johnson is the other one that has gotten a little bit of time, but they're, they're pretty much like Tennessee as far as their quarterback situation goes. That's, uh, it's pretty much in shambles, really, just kind of like how Arkansas was last year. Just no one, uh, <laughs> that can solidify that. And I'm with you. I think that this, this Razorback offense, especially could have a field day. And that's another thing that I wanted to touch on is I really feel that they're going to continue to get the run game going, even if Traylon, mm, even if, uh, yes. Ricky Boyd is not in. We don't know that if I'm just saying if he isn't, even if it is Trey Knox that steps up at receiver, it's not like he has to set the world on fire. Like you said, you uh-huh. got Mike Woods. It's not like Traylon Burks is by himself. You've got Burks. You've got Mike Woods. You've got a very reliable target in Blake Kern as he's coming maybe Hudson Henry steps up for a couple more catches. Uh, I know against um, it was at Tennessee, he only had three catches for 16 yards, but he was effective in a lot of other ways playing hurt. Throwing big blocks, getting a first down here yeah. and there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if Tra- Trey Knox doesn't have to have, you know, 10, 15 catches for 225 yards and three touchdowns. If he can just catch some jump balls on third and six and maybe catch a touchdown, that'd be great. He doesn't have to do everything, but Definitely would like to see him more than, what, three catches on the year.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, if if you're good to go at receiver other than, obviously, Devon Warren, who's out for the year, if Woods and Burks are 100% and they're not having to sit the week out, you're you're in good shape there. If they're not, if either one of those two are not good to go, then, yeah, it's going to be a big deal to get somebody else going there. I'm with you, too. The run game, I think you posted this on social media has just completely turned around, and this could be a good week for them because maybe LSU is expecting Felipe Franks to throw all over them, which I think they will. Again, assuming we have a football game this weekend, um, I'm I'm excited about the possibilities on offense. I might, you know, what with TJ Finley, he is throwing like 67 percent completion. Right, he's 30 of 45. Doesn't have a whole lot of experience under the under the belt. They have taken this year. Keep this in mind. Keep in mind how many games they've played. They've been sacked thirteen times, thirteen times in in the, the five games that they've played. That's that's almost as bad as Arkansas, and Arkansas has given up a lot, especially in the last uh, couple last two three games. Um, so you have an opportunity there on defense. I'm going to keep it keep you guys keep your attention on Terrence Marshall, who. I don't know. He might even be a first round prospect. 31 catches, 540 yards. Assuming he's good to go. Last I heard, he's healthy and fine. Nine touchdowns. He's got a 75 yarder under his belt. He averages 17 yards per reception. He could be a problem. They've also, their second leading receivers. is their tight end who's got a couple touchdowns. Uh, Eric Gilbert, 22 catches, 259 yards, uh, almost 12 yards of reception. Um, They've got playmakers on offense. It, it is, to me, it's like, what is going on? Let's go to Discord really quick. We're going to answer these questions, and then, Kyle, you and I will give our prediction here. Um, I didn't proofread these, but uh, I'll just go over these really quick. So, if you guys are in Discord, listen to this. Don't hate, okay? We gotta, we're gotta. we trying to speed this up. <laughs> with, with the COVID situation, how do you expect – how do you expect it to impact the game on Saturday? Do you expect Traylon Smith to get more touches this week? Oh, that's a good question. More touches than Boyd. Um, let's see, reading his, his questions. Uh, and how much are we winning by? We'll get to that in a minute. And, of course, he's got to throw a word that you and I didn't didn't realize existed. Um <laughs> Uh,
1: <laughs> that, that's that's going to go down in the hall of fame moment that
0: really is it really is we need to go find that so okay uh I, I'll start with the COVID situation we don't really know yet Haas I, I'm we don't know we know we're thin that could that's going to be a problem that will play a role and it just depends on what position as far as Traylon versus Rakeem Boyd Kyle what do you think I, I feel like Traylon ends up getting the majority of the carries and probably should uh
1: I do think Traylon is going to get majority of the carries um let's I don't know that Raheem is going to play. I'm am just going to say that. Uh, so I'm going to yeah. definitely say with almost almost without a shadow of a doubt, uh, 99.999% sure that Traylon will get uh, m- many more carries than Raheem.
0: I I agree. I think so too. And he's he's hot. You got to feed your hot hand. And Kendall Bryles and Sam Pittman strike me as the two that want to give give the ball to the to the guy with the uh, with the hot feet, I guess. Um, are we going to see huge disparity in talent against this LSU team? That's a good question, too, because this, this year's been one of those years where it's like they've overcome the lack of talent. And I still believe, like, yeah, they've had better talent than we realized, but they're still, in my opinion, you're still bottom four in this league in terms of talent. And – uh you know yeah they've overcome some great obstacles this year again with the unorthodox offseason and then you you know you talk about rakeem boyd who's not ever really been healthy this year dorian gerald who hasn't been healthy we've lost um several players You even had a couple freshmen that look like they're having an impact early miles slusher was out with injuries um after uh, after like week one or two, and he came in and he had a fumble recover and had a few tackles. Like he was having a little bit of an impact on defense. I think that Georgia game actually, he had a pretty decent game for a true freshman in the few minutes that he had. When you when you when you look at it without the hog bias glasses on, right? Yeah, LSU's got more talent. I mean, they're they're loaded up with four and five star talent. Um, I I can't really speak to what is going on with LSU. Their defense is just. Just bad, and that's a, look. That's a reflection of bad coaching. I never would have thought their defense would be this bad with Bo Pelini. I never would have thought that, and they are awful. And Arkansas should, depending on who's not playing and who's healthy and whatever the situation is on Saturday, they should have have it somewhat easy um, on offense. I'll let you take this one. Who's? Well, no, we already answered it. Never mind. Uh, Bamsey wanted to know who who steps up with Warren out. We already kind of went over that. Oh. Uh, I think that was it. I think that was all of our Discord questions. Short and sweet. Okay, we'll take that. Predictions. Kyle, what do you got?
1: Oh, man. Uh, It's always hard, (laughs) but this particular situation makes it harder. Man, I think I picked 35-24 hogs. I'm just going to stick with that. Why not?
0: I'm going to say – I'm figuring this out now. How about Arkansas? I like the odds here of them putting up some points. I like they I like what we've seen out of the run game. Um Felipe Franks is dialed in. Hopefully they can they really get it going on the ground so that way Felipe Franks can open this thing up in the second half. I, I do like Arkansas. I'm gonna take Arkansas, I'm gonna say thirty seven LSU uh, man, twenty nine. Okay. Thirty-seven, twenty-nine, Arkansas. That's what I'm going with. We did that right here. Mark it down if it happens. So um, hopefully we have a game. Hopefully we we, we have uh, have something to, to watch Saturday. We're gonna do a we're gonna do if the game is going. Obviously we'll have the halftime report, the uh, hog talk live stream on Facebook, and then the post game over on the Pig Trail uh, Pig Trail Network YouTube channel. Is there anything else, Kyle, that you want to add? we miss anything
1: i think that's it i think that's it hopefully get some good information i know that uh preston does, has been covering lsu for a good while now so hopefully get some good stuff out of him from from there in
0: uh can you ask him anything about about uh will wade old money stacks can you get anything out of the, out of him on that
1: I, well, I, i'm sure that we'll be talking <laughs> during basketball season two so I'll, I'll save that chatter just to, to also let play out a little bit more see how uh it's true. intense it gets
0: it's true that's true that's true All right, uh, that's up next. Kyle's going to have that for you on the next
1: segment. You guys enjoy.
0: Woo, pig, suey, go hogs.
1: Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Now joining me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is TigerBait.com's Preston Guy. He covers a variety of LSU sports. And Preston, I know that you can speak for just about any fan in the country who has had to deal with the COVID layoffs. LSU being off for basically, I guess, Saturday will be three weeks. And uh, hopefully we still are getting to play this game. Uh, I can't even imagine how much, you know, especially Louisiana, South Louisiana is a big football area with the Saints and and LSU and coming off the season from 2019 I can't even imagine how much you guys are ready to get back out there
2: oh yeah you know uh, this is one of those seasons where for me you know I've been talking to fans like you know j- just be excited you get to watch your team play football you know uh, and you know savor it when you do get to see them play I mean I'm trying to tell fans just appreciate what's out there because I don't think a lot of people truly realize like the impressive feat it is to just field a team. And even one that looks half decent for LSU, you know, I mean, 18 or 22 starters are gone from that national championship team. A lot of backup players got drafted off that national championship team, you know, uh, you know, like the the backup tight end got drafted, you know, so it, it really is just, you know, it, it is impressive. They, they Their scholarship players are in the 60s now. So it is just impressive with Coach O just rolling out there and getting a team together. I've been telling fans this year for LSU, just look at recruiting. As long as recruiting ain't dropping off, the program's going to be just fine.
1: And we got word, I know you had mentioned to me when we were talking earlier before we recorded that, your punter was taking snaps at quarterback. That's how thin you guys were. Mm-hmm. With all that stuff that, that's going on, the, the stuff that you just talked about, would I know that it's kind of a shot to the gut that you're not being able to play your season or even be able to play it in a normal manner. How, how have not just the players, but everyone associated with the football program, the media members like yourself, has it been more of just a, okay, we're going to take it one day at a time? Or has it been a little bit, um, I guess the mood's been on the negative side more so?
2: I mean, the mood's been pretty negative, but I think 2020 has just numbed so yeah. many people. I mean, it has just been a unique year, the most frustrating year for most of our lives. And for most of our lives down here, that includes Katrina, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's just been wild. And I think a, there's a bit of numbness just because of that. But, you know, I mean, a lot of fans, the reactions are very all over the place because, they uh, it look, In my opinion, they just witnessed the greatest season in college football history. I mean, it was the perfect season. You beat seven top ten teams. You won the Heisman. You won every award known to man. And you beat Bama and sailed off into the sunset, right? So few fans are just kind of still on that championship high. I've kind of used the phrase a few times, like, you know, Hey guys, just wipe the tears away with the confetti. (laughs) You'll be all right. You know? And then there's fans who have just been just off the deep end, like fire Bo Pelini coach Ogeron needs to be held accountable fire Ogeron. It's like, these things are wild. Um, Bo Pelini is public enemy number one right now, because I mean, his defense is historically bad. Um, it's very possible that it's the worst defense in LSU's modern history. Um, And anytime you talk about worst, anything like that, everybody wants to point the finger at one person, right? Just like when things are good, you know, is it Brady or Bilicic who's the GOAT? Well, when things are a certain level of good, it's usually all parties involved. Well, when it comes to being bad, it's the same story. Like, no, it's not just Bo Pelini, although I've criticized a lot of his play calls this year. I think a lot of them are schematically kind of a nightmare, and modern quarterbacks eat the stuff up that he's doing, you know. Uh, And that's why we see, you know, K.J. Costello throw for 636 yards, broken SEC record, and two weeks later got benched. And Mississippi State has just been abysmal since that game. Um, So – you know, it, 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 I, this team also lacks a lot of depth. You know, they lost their entire front seven from that national championship game, the entire front seven and the defensive coordinator, you know, and then you bring in Bo Pelini and you switch to a four, three and, you know, the guys you did have there, especially on the defensive line are kind of square peg round hole. We saw a guy like uh, Siaki Apu who was supposed to be, kind of having his breakout year in that nose tackle position Well, he's already in the transfer portal because dude was a nose tackle. There's no spot for him in a four, three defense. So it was really not working for him. You know, you had guys like Tyler Shelvin opting out because of COVID Not because he got COVID just because, you know, wanted to protect himself and all that good stuff. Jamar chase, best wide receiver in the country, bar none. I mean, he was a freak of nature last year. Um, He opted out and you can argue that that's like losing the best player in the country a couple weeks before your season at that. So there's just been a lot that this team's had to deal with from the get go. Now, when I say that LSU is disproportionately affected by COVID, probably more than anybody in the country, here's what I mean by that. So it's not that more players got COVID, more players opted out, although they had as many as anybody else in the country, You're replacing your basically your entire defense and your entire offense. And the the play callers, the scheme, the shot callers, I'll put it, on both sides of the ball with Joe Brady going to the Carolina Panthers as offensive coordinator and Dave Miranda taking the head coach job at Baylor. So 18 to 22 starters gone, and you've got all these new coaches coming in. Ogeron's there, but Ogeron's never done anything for skiing. Uh, his formula from day one was I'm going to recruit, motivate, and we're going to hire the best essential coaches in, in the country. You know, uh, that's what he does. You know, so then you have this offseason where you don't get spring ball. You don't get to do much over summer at all because of the hysteria around COVID and, you know, it was spreading and you really don't get to do much working as a team. And then you have fall ball. So while every team is impacted, I think it hurts teams that don't have a nucleus returning. Because if you've started, you know, two seasons already, and this is your third season as a starter, you don't need fall ball. You don't need spring ball. I mean, you just need to show up. You're good. You, you know what playing football on the college level is like. So, you know, for me, it's just LSU has just gotten just absolutely devastated. And that's why we're seeing a two and three team. And the one bright spot on that two and three team was Miles Brennan, who was stepping in for Joe's Burrow, and he had gotten eleven touchdowns in three games. Well, of course, in that third game against Missouri, he uh, he uh, tears an uh, an abdominal, a lower abdominal, and it looks like he's done for the season now. And behind him, you know, you lost Joe Burrow, and anytime that happens, then then another quarterback, Peter Parrish. Um, had some sort of off the field issues and did not make the team this year. Uh, and you're razor thin. You got two true freshmen and, you know, against Auburn, we saw that really hurt the team when that true freshman didn't know what to do against the Kevin steel defense. So <laughs> it's been a doozy. <laughs> I, I hope you got all that. I mean, it's been
1: well, a real doozy of a year for LSU. Well, and there's a couple of questions that I picked out of there, but you talked about the quarterback situation. Now, list, I have I've saw uh, Finley play. I, I did watch a good bit of the Auburn game. I know Max Johnson's gotten a couple of reps. So is there something going on with him that I'm not aware of that got to the point where the punter was taking snaps? Like what exactly yeah. is, I'd elaborate a little bit more on the, the, yeah, let
2: me, situation. so that was my favorite story of the last three weeks, because that's been basically the only story for the last three weeks. Um, uh, so he um, Max Johnson was being quarantined for COVID. Okay. Now We don't because, you know, this information is really tough for us to get, as, you know, writers. And even if we do get it, we try to keep it under radar just because of, you know, privacy for the college players and whatnot and all this good stuff. But um, basically a bunch of players got exposed to COVID at a Halloween party after the Auburn game. I'll let y'all determine for yourself how it sounds that they were at a Halloween party. I mean, <laughs> after getting beat 48 to 11, but, you well. Know, It is what it is. Um, And they weren't able to play a Bama game. Well, LSU's already down with Peter Parrish, you know, transferring out, with Miles Brennan, you know, being out for the year, essentially. Coach O won't come out and say that publicly, but I mean, he'd be one tough SOB to come back this year. Um, And you're you're only down to TJ Finley and Max Johnson, anyways, as your two scholarship quarterbacks. So you're starting to see where the roster was already razor thin for LSU because of the record amount of guys. I mean, 14 players got drafted, you know, and then you're not even looking at players like Thad Moss or didn't get drafted. You lost a, just a mass exodus of talent. And then COVID hits your depth and then injuries come in, you know, and next thing you know, you got a 30, a 30 year old punter who played quarterback in high school down here at Zachary high. And he was a minor league baseball player. So he's got, he's a pitcher. So he's got an arm uh, and he's, you know, big, tall six, four guy. It's kind of funny looking you know. he's got a dad bod going on now. Uh, but dude has a big, strong arm. You know, he was actually, they started using him as the scout team quarterback to uh, emulate Felipe Franks. Because you know, big tall guy with a big arm, you know, uh, you know, okay, cool. Let's put him in there. It's not like we got walk-on quarterbacks that can really simulate that. Probably would have been T.J. Finley, the starter, who's you know 6'6", 260, big arm, imitating him. But now he's your starting quarterback. Well, from what I'm understanding, Zach Von Rosenberg, the punter, he really impressed coaches. Uh, and I've, I've got sources inside the program who were like watching his film and they were very impressed to the point where the, he skipped over all the walk-ons and was the backup quarterback. So as good as you could expect for when you hear a punter playing quarterback, like, trust me, he wasn't like bad. He even completed a pass over Derek Stingley Jr., who I'm sure y'all are familiar with, all American corner. You know, he he's actually been spectacular this year. Um, but Zach von Rosenberg completed a pass on him. And uh, from what I'm hearing, it was pretty solid stuff, but it is still just a, a statement of the fall from grace. When you look at it going into the Bama game, like before the Bama game got canceled, you know, you're looking at that and you're legitimately saying our punter is our backup quarterback. And <laughs> That just, like, hey, like what? you said,
1: it's 2020. We're numb. Yeah,
2: that's,
1: it's numb. It really I, – I truly was not shocked when – I had I had heard rumblings of that on the radio, and then you mentioned it to me a little earlier, and I, I wasn't shocked. I truly wasn't just because I knew that coming into this season that we could have probably scenarios like that in order – we talked about this in the last segment, myself and Ty, that you're pretty much just trying to fill the team in some cases, and it seems like that's the case here. But, Preston, I want to go back – take it take a step to what you were talking about with Bo Pelini speaking about a fall from grace I mean this guy 13 years ago helped lead LSU to a national championship with a really solid defense was one of the hottest defensive coordinators in the country ended up taking the job at Nebraska it looked like he was building a solid program in Nebraska then decided to pop his mouth off when he was being recorded a few times and uh, certainly is would not be a very well liked man in a bar uh, anywhere near Nebraska <laughs> right now but it's, it, what what is it is it is it, it is it some of the stuff that you mentioned just inexperience now and you talked about what KJ Costello did just with him lining up in man and he really never made any adjustments I, I I feel like you just can't get that bad and and figure out or really I guess not figure out how to coach defense anymore you got to think that that's mostly due to inexperience and maybe just some other things that are possibly going on in the locker room or whatever
2: well, and when you say inexperienced, we got to put this in perspective. Bopellini's a, a coach with 100 wins as a head coach. Yeah. He's a championship-winning defensive coordinator. That resume on paper looks like a grand slam hire. How many times do you lose a championship-winning coordinator and replace him with a championship-winning coordinator? Oh, and by the way, he won that championship at your school. It's rare. Uh, So on paper, it looks really good. Um, So a lot of people want to wonder, okay, is it Jimmy's and Joe's or is it X's and O's, right? The answer is probably both. Okay. And what's really funny about this defense, you've got two cornerbacks who are playing outstanding football, like lights out. Derek Stingley Jr. and the true freshman Elias Ricks. They're both, they were both the number one cornerback in their class, right? One's a freshman, one's a sophomore outstanding players, and you are still giving up. Everyone looks like a Heisman winner against this defense. I mean, Bo Nix just threw for 300 yards on this defense. Like, (laughs) they've got some problems, and it's really weird to see problems like this when you've got two corners who are absolutely lights out. I've never seen anything like that. But um, I think that you're razor thin at safety. You've got guys playing, you know, in roles they're not really – Accustomed to, you know, and you got in the front seven, you are just decimated, man. I mean, the your starting one of your starting defensive tackles was an offensive lineman last year. You've got a true freshman starting at defensive end, BJ Ujjaleri, who's shown some promise. At the other end, you've got a Jugo transfer, Ali Gay, who's shown a little bit of promise, but nothing ever consistent. And I mean, You got, uh, you know, linebacker, you're having guys who, you know, might not be in their best position right now because we had three, four backers and then you're going to four, three, you had to take a transfer from North Dakota State, Jabril Cox, who's been okay, you know, he's been good, but like, he, uh, you know, he is, he, he transferred in and is now the leader of that front seven. And by the way, he transferred in in a year where you can't play tackle football over summer and you don't have spring ball. So I think there's some personnel issues and it's going to take some time to rebuild. Luckily, recruiting looks like it's going very well and a lot of these guys are young. You're going to bring them back. But I'm not sure you're seeing too many NFL players on this defense right now. That's a harsh reality. And it's, you kind of wonder how it happened you know when you know Ogeron's been recruiting at such a high level. And the harsh reality is, yeah, you got, you know, your first string and your second string is mostly gone from last year, you know, and then the scheme switched to where it's, you know, a lot of square peg round holes, especially in that front seven. So that would have been, that was already going to be a tough transition. And I can't believe Bo Pelini didn't say, well, we're going to do a smooth transition where year one, we're going to do a little bit of three, four. He said, nah, I do what I do. And Bo Pelini is looking like, a uh, less miles on defense this year, um, and Bo Pelini was stubborn in his previous stint with LSU. He had some games like Arkansas 2007. I'm sure you guys don't remember that, right? Uh, <laughs> where he, uh, you know, he gave up 50 points. Darren McFadden, uh, I mean, put on a legendary SEC performance against a Bo Pelini defense that refused to adapt and adjust. So we've seen no halftime adjustments nothing out of this defense and uh you know so now that we've talked about personnel problems we'll get on scheme there's been a lot of things he does not make adjustments he plays a lot of man he does a lot of aggressive blitzes i thought against game one against mississippi state i was looking at it was like well they they scored a pick six they forced three turnovers like the problem is he's having enough success to convince himself what he's doing is working it's okay to get sliced and diced up and down the field But, you know, if I'm forcing a turnover, too, so if I can just make that one last turnover. Well, that hadn't been the case down the stretch. Auburn, uh, they played very well against Auburn defensively for a quarter and a half. Then offense basically gives up two scores of their own, you know, with a scoop and score and then an interception and was taken down to the two or whatever. And the defense's spirit was broken and five straight drives they just got dragged down the field i mean literally just you know think about like you know a pee wee football player trying to tackle uh you know a full-grown you know nfl running back like he's just holding on for dear life while he gets dragged there's nothing he can do that's what lsu looked like for five straight drives against auburn uh on defense and there's been some serious scheme issues that i take issue with you know um, one of the things Bo Pelini likes to do is fake a strong safety blitz with a guy like Jacoby Stevens, who is kind of like an outside linebacker. That's one of my questions is why don't you put Jacoby Stevens at outside linebacker to help with that depth because he's not great with true coverage as a safety, but you know, there's they're doing what they do. So you fake a blitz with Jacoby Stevens. Okay, your quarterback read when you see a blitzer you throw to where the blitz was so you're faking a blitz which means you're obviously showing blitz okay but then it's not a blitz he's on man coverage on the slot receiver slot receiver runs a seam route okay well jacoby stevens in great uh man coverage and even if he was that's a real tough call to have someone's momentum going all the way forward and then shift it all the way back to cover a seam route well the quarterback's read is to throw that seam route because he thought it was a blitz, but it's not a blitz, but Hey, now it's man coverage. Cool. And where's the safety over the top to cover the seam route. Oh, he is the safety over the top to cover that. So like when I see things like that, as in X's and O's guy, I want to rip my hair out. Cause it's like, that stuff worked on quarterbacks 15 years ago when they were all running toss dive until college And then they had to learn how to do all these spread concepts and stuff like that, you know, but offenses now, like these kids, they grew up in peewee football running five wide Oregon style offense. (laughs) Like they all know their pre-snap reads. And I think that that's a big problem is Bo Pellini's a little antiquated in my opinion. Um, So I, I, I do think some of the stuff he's doing might work a lot better if he had the personnel up front. But, uh, you know, I I do have some serious criticisms because, to me, what I'm seeing with this defense, you would literally be better off to just call cover four every play. Cover four, cover four, zone, zone, zone. Just don't give up a ginormous play. Let them nickel and dime us, and hopefully they mess something up. Because teams are just moving the ball at will on this defense. It has not been pretty, and not even good teams. Like, we're talking about Missouri you know, we're talking about, uh, Mississippi state. I mean, the, the harsh reality is at this point, LSU was supposed to be getting into the thick of their schedule. They haven't played Florida. They haven't played, um, uh, uh Alabama. Okay. Those teams got postponed. They, they haven't even played the thick of their schedule. And now it looks like all, uh, Arkansas is going to be Right in there, that thick of teams. Keep in mind, Arkansas should have beat that Auburn team that LSU beat, forty-eight to eleven. You know, it's it's just it's a rough breakdown, man.
1: Yeah, it's. I wanted to ask you too. You broke down all that, and so with to me, this is one of the biggest challenges to predict the score of this game because a, you're just not one hundred percent sure it's going to happen, but also two you know it's an early game 11am the first one the Razorbacks have played all year lsu hasn't played in 3 weeks arkansas hasn't lost back to back how do you see this game going
2: like you said this is one of the more unpredictable games of the year who knows what's going inside that team when they haven't played for 3 weeks i mean it's like a mini off season you can install all sorts of stuff you never know what kind of fires have been lit in guys heads who's feeling better from an injury. It's tough, dude. Um, I tend to just go with what I've seen. Like, what have I, what have I seen out of the teams? How do their schemes match up? How's the coaching going? I've got Arkansas winning 34, 17. And I think it's a pretty handy win.
1: That's actually a little bit I, – I I had them at 35 to 24, Razorbacks. So, I mean, I've, yeah. I'm almost looking at this as I've, most Razorback fans in your typical year, LSU's usually ranked or really, really good, and Arkansas is just average or not very good. But we always fall back on, well, that's always really close, which really the last couple have not ex- – excluding 2018, but – Besides that, you you look at those years, especially like 2013, when you had Mettenberger and and um, uh, OBJ, Jarvis yep. Landry, all those guys. Jeremy Hill, the Razorbacks were three and eight. They came into Baton Rouge almost won. So you've seen plenty of games like that, and the miracle on Markham, one and two. But I feel like the role is kind of reversed. That you got to think about it from LSU as that. Not that Arkansas is like great this year, but clearly Arkansas has played better than LSU has but you can never overlook this series whatsoever.
2: No, absolutely not. You can never overlook this series. There's a couple of series LSU has like that. Ole Miss is kind of like that too, where even when Ole Miss is really bad, that game has been tight a lot of times, you know? Um, boy, I'm sure uh, Arkansas fans are not excited at all
1: <laughs> about yeah. this game this week,
2: right? Like, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Arkansas fans are fired up right now <laughs> because they're about to destroy LSU, huh?
1: Well, because they want to get the boot, get so yeah, I it's said. been uh, yeah, that boot hasn't. Ha- uh, I know that I know that LSU. I, I have not really arguments, but I've talked to plenty of people about that. That I'm like, man, LSU cares about Alabama. Let's just uh, let's just go ahead and get that out of our head. But
2: yeah, rest... I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful or anything here, but hey, the there's nothing wrong with being honest. Is,
1: nothing wrong the with honest
2: being honest. Truth is, LSU fans really don't care about the boot.
1: Oh yeah, I, mean, I believe it.
2: Uh, it's nice. It's neat. Yeah. The players are going to go pick it up and do their thing and celebrate, but yeah, I mean, really it's, it's all Bama. It, it, yeah. There is a Bama obsession here. These fans desperately want to usurp Bama. I saw grown men cry last year yeah, when they beat Bama for the first time in eight years. I mean, it is it is bama obsessed and then florida would probably be a distant second with you know yeah. auburn or stuff it's just you know lsu fans they just they're they're looking to do that bama thing you know but you know arkansas has been a pretty tight rivalry i think the thing is to keep in mind is a lot of those wins arkansas has pulled they've been major upsets you know where mm-hmm. i mean arkansas just played lights out I think part of what makes this series so intriguing is that Arkansas plays better against the spread in this game. So, you know, than LSU does. And I think it's just the fact that Arkansas actually takes it seriously. mentally LSU has it, you know, with last year being a, a huge exception. Let's talk about last year real quick. They're up uh, <laughs> you know, early in the fourth quarter, we're in the press box. LSU's up fifty-six to six, and we're talking oh man look uh hopefully playoff this is impressive enough to keep lsu number one with the playoff committee and then all uh, you know they score two touchdowns late and it's 20 it's like 56 to 20 now <laughs> everybody's all grunting and groaning oh, we're only gonna win by 36 uh, Ohio <laughs> yeah. State's gonna pass us up
1: boy how things turn fast huh yeah well and that's the thing and that's what makes this year even harder for lsu fans it's just you've had one of the one of if not the greatest season of all time followed by so so arguably
2: let's let's (laughs) let's let's not get confused here that makes it easier okay
1: oh yeah that
2: makes this incredibly easy and let me tell you Imagine LSU just, I mean, going into last year, there was a lot of hype going in. They were like, what, a top six team? I don't think anybody expected greatest to ever walk the planet of earth in college football, but, you know, people were thinking 11 and one. They were thinking playoff ticket, you know? Uh, Imagine if that team had had a disappointing eight and four year and then we're dealing (laughs) yeah that's a good point that's a good point because you at least
1: you at least have that high to look look back to less than a year ago so
2: exactly so people just reflect you know like i saw a bunch of house parties last week where instead of uh you know watching the bama game they you know because it was canceled they put on the replay of last year you best believe fans are living in nostalgia from last year and they should
1: absolutely absolutely I mean, we're still living in nostalgia from our 1994 basketball national championships, you know, over 25 (laughs) years ago. Well, Preston, it was a great conversation, man. Really appreciate you hopping on, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get to the finish line, and we'll catch up with you down the road. Appreciate y'all, guys.